Father, I thank you. This is a special time. And I feel, Lord, that I'm on holy ground. I feel that I'm with your daughters, some of them young in the faith, some who have walked with you a while, but all loving you. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that this is the day that you've made. And we will rejoice and be glad of it. This is the hour that we are alive, and we will serve you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Days are dark, but in you is light. Days are hopeless, but with you there's hope. Always hope. Always a new day. Always a new start. Thank you, Father. And we bless your name this afternoon. Fill this place with your presence. Descend, O dove of the Holy Spirit. Fill each life. Take every corner of every heart and make it your own. And may we serve you to the best of our ability until you come for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love the Lord. Ever since I was a little girl, I loved going to church. My mom and daddy were Christians when I was born. And when I was two weeks old, they brought me to church for the first time. <clears throat> and I've been there ever since. <laughs> but I love the church. And not only the building where the Lord has me, but I love the church, which is all of us. And this afternoon, I want to share my life with you. And, and I'll tell you, first of all, I'm 80. And no, I will not be here all afternoon. I, I know how to give the condensed version. I know how to shorten things. So don't worry. What I want to talk to you about is God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness to me. You know, people make promises, and a lot of times they don't do what they say. I'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock, and there you sit, 4.15, 4.30, quarter to 5, another broken promise. But God's promises, the Bible says, are yea and amen, and they're going to happen. So, I want to share with you from Psalm 145. This is, this is the basis of my talk this afternoon. But I won't read the whole thing. You can read it when you get home. Look at verse 4. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. <clears throat> so one generation commends your work to another. So my generation is going to talk to you about God's faithfulness. And I want to do it in three parts. <clears throat> First, as a child. I told you that I was raised in a Christian home. When I became a year and a half, my dad was called to the ministry. He had come from Norway as an immigrant. And he came to 
to the United States because there was national revival in Norway. And he thought, if I get on that big ship, I'll escape. But God got on with him. And he was here only a year, and he became a Christian through the testimony of a fellow worker. It's important to have a testimony, isn't it? He said, I saw this man was different. And one day he invited me to church and he said, come to church. They'll speak Norwegian. They'll preach in Norwegian. They'll sing in Swedish. And Daddy said, okay, I'll go. He told me when he came to the United States, they taught him English, but all the bad words. (laughs) And then they'd laugh. But (laughs) poor Daddy. Anyway, anyway, so he became a Christian, and he said when he got home, he said, I took my, I opened the refrigerator door, and I dumped all the beer down the sink. I took my cigarettes and threw them in the garbage. I was a new creature in Christ. Amen. All things were gone, and God did a real work in his life. And uh, so I was born into a Christian home. I'm one of seven children. I'm the third from the oldest. I have four younger than me. So I spent a lot of time babysitting and being mama's helper. Can you relate to me? Okay. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but we... I told you when Daddy was, when I was a year and a half, Daddy was called to the ministry. And he came to his pastor and he said, I feel I'm called to the ministry, but my English isn't very good. And his pastor said, look, you'll preach from your heart. And that's what's going to, that's what will reach people. And that's what happened. Um, Daddy's first pastor, it was in Wisconsin. It was a cold place. Oh, my goodness. Here, when we have 50 degrees, we get out a jacket. Sometimes we put a scarf around our throat, and we put boots on. In Wisconsin and Minnesota, if they thought it was 50 degrees, they'd think summer had come. (laughs) But it was cold in Wisconsin. I was just a little girl, and Daddy said, Look, we're going to have a hard winter and the brothers don't have any warm clothes for school, let's pray. So we got together in the living room and I heard my dad pray. His prayers were always simple. God, winter's coming and the boys have to go to school and we need a miracle. And I was so sure God heard that prayer I must have been three or four years old, but boy, I believed. And faith grew in my heart. About five days later, Daddy went to the railroad station. They said, you have a big parcel parcel from Chicago. No return address. Dad brings the box home. You open it up, there were coats for my brothers. Heavy winter coats, caps, overshoes, boots, mittens, 
scarves just their size. Did God hear the prayer? Yes. So as a little child, I grew up loving God and believing that he answered prayer. When I was eight years old, that's when I came to the Lord. I remember that we had a snowstorm, and it was December 3rd, 1947. I don't know if anybody, anybody in here was alive at that time. <laughs> but anyway, there was a snowstorm. We couldn't go to school or to church. The banks were very high. Dad said, Sunday night, we can't go to church. We'll have church at home. We read the Bible and prayed, and everyone knelt down. But when it came my turn to pray, I couldn't. God touched my heart. I think I always loved God. But that time, that day, Jesus became my Savior too. And then a whole new world opened up for me. I began to walk with him. I began to love going to Sunday school. I began to love memorizing scripture. I began to love singing songs about Jesus. Even even taking care of my pesky brothers and sisters wasn't so bad. <laughs> Everything changed. One day, <clears throat> Dad said to me, today is the day you're going to learn to swim. Daddy came from Norway. Everybody swam, everybody skied, everybody skated. They were tough over there. <laughs> and so Dad said, we're gonna, you're going to learn to skate. He swim, rather. And, and he took me to, a, to the lake. It was 14 feet deep at the dock. He, he said, now I'm going to put a rope around your waist and underneath your arms, and when I count to three, you will jump. I looked at my dad. He was tall. He was strong. I could trust him. He held the rope, and he started to count. My legs were shaking. My knees were trembling. But I looked at him, and I looked at the water. It was cold. It was Summer in Minnesota is not very warm. <clears throat> so Dad said, one, two, three, and I jumped. Then he's bending over and saying, kick, Clara. Paddle with your arms. Kick. You'll make it. And I went all as, as hard as I could, and I finally touched the dock. Dad said, good. Another time. Mm -hmm. Jump, Clara. I jumped. Then he said, now we'll take the rope off. But he said, you know what? I'll be right here. I'm not going to let you drown. Just do what I tell you to do and watch me. So there I am, no rope. I'm just a little kid. I'm only nine. And my mother's on shore, sure that I'm going to drown. <laughs> Dad's counting. One, two, three. And I jump. And he says, kick hard, paddle hard. You're going to make it. 
touch the dock. And I did. And you know what? Then he said, do it again. And after that, he could hardly get me out of the water. <laughs> I loved it. And I've loved swimming ever since. Yes, I still do it. And then when I grew up, I got to thinking, sometimes we have to take a jump by faith. Yeah, We're standing on the dock. We've never done something before. We're scared. Our knees are shaking. Our legs are shaking. That water is deep. It is cold. But the Heavenly Father says, I've got the rope. I'm not going to let you drown. I'm on your team. You're going to make it. Jump. And we do it. And then we discover that that jump of faith is what life is all about. And we're in that water and we say, yes. I could do this because the Father is on our side. He wants us to make it. That is the saying in heaven. Oh, well, I wonder how many are going to go to hell today. (laughs) He wants us to make it. It really does. And sometimes I think, as I look up in the sky, I think, oh, God, it really costs too much to sin. You paid an awful price for me. And and so he wants us to make it. All right, my second story, and I love telling stories. <laughs> when I was 12, Daddy gave me a pair of skates for Christmas. They were figure skates. They're white. They're pretty. And I loved them. I looked at them. I didn't know how to skate yet. Dad said to me, Tuesday night, you and I will learn how to, you'll learn how to skate. So we went to the pond. It was frozen over. It was just Dad and I. The moon was shining. He, he put his skates on after he had laced up mine. And then he said, follow me. Do exactly what I do. Mama wasn't much into skating. Daddy was. Dad liked the sports. He liked the swimming and the skating and the skiing. But Mama, not so much. Well, with seven kids, she was pretty busy. (laughs) But anyway, so I followed him. And I was doing pretty good. I started with the left foot and then pretty soon the right foot. I always thought I was doing pretty good. And then I fell. I'm sitting on the ice, feeling really tough. Dad skates over to me and he said, what happened? I said, I fell. Take me home. Dad kneels down on the ice, looks at my knee. He said, Claire, it's not so bad. I'll fix it when we get home. So he put my snow pants back down tightened up by skates and said, keep following me. And you know what, ladies? I did, and I learned to skate. And when I get older, sometimes I think, I fall, and I want to say, I'm going to quit. I'm going to sit here on the ice feeling sorry for myself and rubbing my knee. And the Heavenly Father says, 
I'll fix it when I get home. Amen. Some things will never be fixed here. Some of your hurts will never go away. Or if they go away, you'll see the scar. But he'll fix it when we get home. You can trust him. I, I grew up in a pastor's family. And there were a lot of joys, a lot of privileges, a lot of missionaries that came through, a lot of men of God that ate at my table, and I heard their stories. But when I was between 12 and 13, there was trouble in the church. And I decided, I made a decision in my heart, I will never marry a preacher. <laughs> and, and I made this decision because there was a split in our church and we, dad got a, and there, it was a, it was, a, it was a sad day, but I made that decision. And then mama, I told mama one day, I'll never marry a preacher, there, people can be so mean. She said, but what if you fall in love with one? I said, oh, well, yeah, right. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, yes. You, uh, but anyway, I found that God was there. God provided for us. God never left our family. We got a, a 30 days notice to get out of the parsonage. There was no moral failure on my father's part. No financial problem. It was, it was just plain ugly. But the, 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 the cream of the crop of the church, let me put it that way, the cream that went to the top, they came to my father and asked him to stay. And he stayed. And God provided God provided a place for us to live. Well, time, time went on and I, I didn't, one day I did marry a preacher. <laughs> uh, and not only that, but I married a missionary pastor and I moved from northwest Minnesota to the border of Texas and Mexico. I hadn't been any farther than home than 150 miles away, probably. And I came an awful long way. I was young, 20 and a half. <laughs> and I, I left everything. I left my culture. I left my church. I left my family. I left my language <laughs> and I moved here and became the wife of the pastor of a Spanish-speaking church. I knew zero Spanish. <laughs> I had gone to the library to check out a Spanish book to try to learn a little and all I came up with was hasta el we go instead of hasta luego. <laughs> but 
I came, but you know, again, I saw God's faithfulness to me, God's goodness to me, and and the people welcomed me, and and uh, for me, it was God's will. Sometimes His faithfulness, the way He leads you, is going to be different from mine. It'll, all our stories are different, but the thing, the 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 thread that's in here is He's faithful to each of us. He's faithful to his girls. He loves his girls. And I love the theme of your, of, of, of this crowns because women are God's crowns. They're high, his highest creation. He made man, and then he said, I will make woman. That was the last thing he did. And I want to say, bravo. <laughs> There was a there was a family in Mexico. Whether this is true or not, I don't know, but it's a good story. There was a, there was a family in Mexico that had only girls, and when the first girl was born, they named her Gloria. And as it was, they had six more girls, and then when the last one was born, they named her Barbara. <laughs> All right, so anyway, what I want to say is this, and this is not the right way to do this, but this is what happened to me. I never went to school to learn Spanish. I never took a lesson in Spanish, but I can manage all right. I can speak in Spanish. I can teach a class in Spanish, and I can pray in Spanish. But I'll also say this, that when I married my husband, there was no bilingual services. Everything was Spanish. We had church Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday three times, and then I'd go to... Camargo a veces, and then maybe Reynosa. And I heard nothing that was familiar. But that was a good way for me to learn. I had to. I had to. <laughs> but I read my Bible a lot. I took my Bible to church, my Bible in English, and sure enough, I read during the sermons. <laughs> but anyway, God was faithful to me there. God was faithful. And and uh, then the years passed, and I we had four children, and and my husband had had evangelistic service uh, meetings in Argentina and Brazil. He was going to be gone six weeks. We lived in a big old house in Alamo. I mean, it was big and old. But I wanted to tell you, he went on his trip. I had these four kids. And every day, a cardinal came and sang to me right outside the house. Every day, that same bird came and sat tree and sang. And after my husband came back after six weeks, the cardinal never returned. And I think, thank you, God. Thank you, God. That's just another little 
little encouragement God says sometimes. Um, it, it's it's I, what I'm trying to tell you is that you can trust Him. I have chosen to trust Him. I have been a Christian over 70 years, and He's never failed me. He's been there during difficult times. He's been there during times of great joy, and he's never failed me. We lived in this big house in Alamo, and then I used to tell my husband about camps. I said, let's invite kids from Mexico and have a camp here. And he said, said, okay, I never went to camp, but you think it's a good idea? So we sent out an invitation to Mexico. We thought we'd get 20 kids. This is, it's 1972. I thought we'd get, he said, maybe we'll get 20 kids. So he calls me from the border and he says, Claire, <laughs> anytime they use your first name like that, it's not good. He said, he said there are 70 kids here. <laughs> he said, I have to get two buses. <laughs> And I think, oh, God, they're going to come here, and they're going to stay for a week. And, and, and he said, don't worry. And I think, oh, sure, don't worry. <laughs> so he gets to the border, and they gave these 70 kids permission to come one week to Alamo on his signature. Wow. That is not done anymore. That is not done, and believe me. But anyway, we had one week of blessing. The kids slept everywhere. (laughs) I sat in the living room and saw water coming through the walls as they showered. But we had blessing, and we had kids that came, and the presence of the Lord filled that place. The good thing was we hired a cook. (laughs) And we ate in the patio. But what a wonderful week that was. And after the kids went home, I'd walk around the yard, and I could still feel the presence of the Lord there. So, you know, the Lord is faithful. If you have to do some things that are kind of out of the ordinary, there he is, there he is, faithful, faithful to my generation. And he's going to be faithful to yours. Um, when he... he um, I was John traveled quite a bit to Mexico he was what you call a pastor missionary and I didn't always go with him but I remember one afternoon I had the I heard I had an 11 year old son at the time and I heard the seven, seven this brother was 7 years old he said mother come quick something's happened and my son had fallen out of off a tree, out of a tree. He said, so he's 11, and I've never been a very big person. I had to drag him in the house. He was out of his mind. And, and uh, I laid him on the bed, and I called the doctor. And, and the doctor said, bring him to the ER, and I'll meet you there. So I get him in the car, and and, and I... He's trying to get the door open the whole time I'm driving. 
and I'm going 80 miles an hour down the freeway asking God to send a policeman to stop me. There wasn't one in sight. <laughs> and now you can't go to the grocery store before there's one there. But anyway, anyway I'm going down the freeway and I said, oh, God, help me to get there. And we had been in Mexico for a week and, and the, the kid would only talk Spanish. He's 11 years old and something had happened there. He'd hit the back of his head. But anyway, I saw God's faithfulness. Faithful to me. I got him to the hospital. He got in there and I didn't know if he'd make it. He vomited blood all night. And he said, but God is faithful. And, he, and I said, Lord, if you want to take him, whatever you want, but help me with this. I called Mexico and I tried to get a hold of John. There was no cell phones, of course. <laughs> and and, and, and I, he was staying with some friends and they insisted on two last names. And I didn't know the second one. <laughs> what was it? Felipe on uh, Rodriguez de, de whatever, and I thought, just, just, just hit the man, I don't know. But anyway, bottom line is he got on the bus and he came home, not knowing which one of his children was at death's door. God is faithful. God touched him. He did not die. And, and I had a friend call and say, hey, Clara, I heard your son hit the back of his head and fell out of a tree. Well, this happened to my niece, and she's never been right ever since. And I thought, oh, God. <laughs> Bottom line, know when to say something. Please, it's better not to say something. Pray instead. <laughs> but anyway, I saw the faithfulness of God then, too. But... Anyway, remember that God's faithfulness is like an echo. It echoes from one generation to the other. Amen. Faithful. If you go some places, you can say something and then the echo will come back. And I want to say, faithful are you, God. All the things you do are done in faithfulness. And, and so the years have passed. The years have passed. My middle-aged years have been gone quite a while, but God has been faithful to me. He was faithful to me as a little girl, as a teenager, when he filled me with the Holy Spirit when I was just 14. <coughs> he was faithful to me when he called me and he told me I'd be in ministry somewhere. He was faithful then. He was faithful when I met my husband. He, he was down here, I'm up there, what are the chances? Incidentally, for all of you that are looking for a mate, I have a verse for you. Isaiah 34, 16. God will be faithful. And even though you have to wait, wait on the Lord. My husband was a single pastor for seven years. And one night, a pastor from Mexico came and said, Brother John's not here. We're going to spend this whole evening praying for a wife for him. I guess they thought he was a hopeless case. <laughs> he was only 27 years old, my goodness. 
People get married much later now, don't they? Okay. But anyway, so they prayed. So I, I guess I I guess I must have been the answer. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, God is faithful to you, and I want to tell you, wait for the best. Wait for the best one. Wait for the best one. He's got the best one for you. He's got a good godly man for you. And yes, they do exist. They do exist. And and I have a couple of, of grandsons. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but, but I, I want to encourage you that you could trust God in little things and in big things. One day I was baking bread, and we were living in Alamo at the time, and I ran out of flour. I didn't have quite enough to finish it. So I covered it up, and I said, Lord, help me get this flour for this bread. And I thought, well, there were no cell phones. My husband was gone. I couldn't call him. Thank God we didn't have a cell phone. Anyway, but I was uh, about an hour later, a a lady knocks on my door, a friend of mine. She said, hey, Clara, I just came by. She said, I just got some flour from Canada I want to share with you. God is faithful. And you know what? That bread was the best bread I've had in a long time. So you can trust God for little things. You can trust God for a husband. You can trust Him for flour, for bread. You can trust Him for cardinal that sings in your window. You can trust Him for little children. He can, you know, I was told at one time, it's a miracle I had any children, and I've had four. You can trust him. Trust him for little things and and big things. Um, It was, we were having, having, I'm almost through, so don't be, don't. Anyway, we had this camp, I told you. And one day I was praying, and I said, Lord, would it be nice to have music when the kids come? or whenever we have camp here. And I just laid it before the Lord. And three, four days later, I get a, a letter from a friend of mine that was this music teacher. She said, hey, I want to give you a stereo system. I hadn't said anything to anybody. She provided the money for the stereo system, and there was music. There was music. God is good. Amen. Trust him in little things. You know, he cares about you enough for little things. Now that I live alone, I pray all the time. I talk to him about everything. If I see some people, I say, Lord, who knows what's happening in their life? Touch them. Touch them. Okay, I have been young. Now I am old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken yes. or his seed begging bread. Yes. And you can trust him. Uh, in 2006, it was a hard year for me. My husband was diagnosed with cancer. We prayed. We fasted. We trusted God. He was a man of faith. And... God said no. 
It's hard when God says no. Have you ever had to say no to your kids? It's hard. And God says no, and God doesn't explain why. The whole book of Job, God asked a lot of questions. Job had no answers. Job asked lots of questions, and God didn't answer any of them. He simply says, trust me. So in 2006, in May, one day before my birthday, my husband went to heaven. And I remember two days before he died, I said, do you want to stay or do you want to go? We'd been married almost 47 years. And he could hardly talk very much. And he said, I want to go to heaven. And I said, you go. I'll be coming. That was hard. That was one of the hardest things for me. But I had had this whole life of trusting him. Whole life of reading his word. Whole life of giving everything to him. And I had to trust him during the hard time. The hard time. And so it was hard. But God was there for me. And if you're going through difficult times, if you're going through death or divorce or, or illness, trust him. Trust him. Just say, Lord, I don't understand, but I choose to trust him. I choose to trust you. I had four children. My oldest child was the healthiest. Um, he lifted weights. He was married. He had two children. I think he never had a cavity. <laughs> and when the rest of us were sitting around eating cake and cookies and ice cream, he'd say, give me a, give me a corn tortilla. <laughs> and, but I mean, he, he, he had MS. He got MS at about 20, 37 years old, 2006. In September, he, the Lord took him. He was 43 years old, and I remember to about a week before he died, I got gone to see him. He couldn't talk. He had tubes everywhere. And he was the child we prayed for. I thought I wouldn't have children. Then the Lord sent Samuel. And I went to see him, and he, he couldn't talk. And I, I read the word, and I prayed. And I said, Sam, I th I'm going to be leaving now. And he turned his head and looked at me, and he said, I love you. That's the last I heard. About a week later, he was gone. And I remember the message came to our church, and my son Jim said, Mom, they're calling from hospice. You need to go. And I drove over there, and I got in the car, and I said, 
God, I don't know if I could do this. I, I don't know. I mean, this is a really bitter cut for me. John died in May, and it's September of the same year. But I said, if you will hold this chalice, I will drink it. <laughs> but only if you hold it. But God was faithful. And I was able to go into that hospice room and be there when, when, when God took him. Uh, so if you go through difficult times, the Bible says there's a time to laugh and there's a time to weep. If you go through difficult times, you can trust him. He is faithful. The same God, the same Lord Jesus that saved us is there when you go through difficult times. And he's promised to be with you every day of your life. He'll never leave you. And, and for the first time in my life, I had to live alone. I had to eat alone. I had to sleep alone. I came from a big family. I always shared a bed with somebody. You know what that's like when you've got a bunch of kids. And, and, I, and then all of a sudden I'm by myself and, I, I, and the bed seems huge. And I don't, I like dogs, but I, I don't want them in my bed. <laughs> anyway. But I found God's faithful. And you can talk to him and you say, Lord, I, I, this is hard. And I mean, then you think, then you think, it could be worse. It could be worse. I know where my husband is. I know where my son is. I know I'll see them again. I know I have the scripture that says, absent from the body, present with the Lord I know that there's a heaven so all of these things comfort you and when you go through those difficult times trust him Amen. and you might think oh God here I am I'm 22 years old I'm college educated I'm not married trust him Amen. trust him <laughs> choose to trust him walk with him and somebody, I told my grandson when his father died, I said, run toward God. Don't run away. We don't have any other refuge. We have nothing else. This world is so, so, it's, the older I get, the less things matter. I'm going. I'm going to heaven. That's the most important thing. So what I want to tell you is hang on. Fight for your marriage if you're married. Fight for your children. Fight. Don't quit. And if you're on the skates and you take a tumble, it'll be fixed in heaven. Amen. Trust him. So this afternoon, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. You are God's crown, the highest creation. Ladies, women, Girls, you are God's highest creation. He has the best thing in, 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 in his plan. And his plan is good for you. His plan is good. So you can trust him. Uh, 
one generation commends his work to another. So I'm commending his work to you. I believe in you. I believe that you're going to be strong women of God. Strong women of God say, no, we're going to stand and we're going to say, you will not take my family. I will fight for my family. I will fight for my country. Let's not let the enemy take over any area of our life. We're strong women. We can do it. We've got God on our side. Our daddy loves us. Amen.